Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. to get us out here on a Saturday night it might as well have been for a performance like that or they actually could have played a better team and given us a better <laughs> opponent to come in here and talk about on a Saturday night welcome to the PHLY Sixers post game show right alongside my partners as always Kyle Newbeck Derek Bodner I'm Devon Givens with you Brianna producing we could not wait literally we could not wait we wanted to get started sooner and live Live, just do the show live in the fourth quarter because it was that bad. We had some requests like, <laughs> fellas, let's get it going. But I want you guys to know the most fun that at least I had, I think Devon, Derek was in his little stats corner to the side <laughs> looking up some margins of victory. We were rooting for the biggest Sixers victory in Philadelphia history. They unfortunately fell short of that, but we that had a hell of a time. You know, we we've did. watched a bunch of games here together. I think that was the most animated, the most <laughs> into it that we have been for an end-of-game situation since we've been doing the show. It came down to the wire. Uh, the franchise, not the franchise record, the record set since they moved to Philadelphia was 54 points for the largest margin of victory. They had one other in Syracuse that was in the 60s. But this would have, they were one point away from the largest win since the franchise moved to Philadelphia and they failed, and it really, really hurt. It One really second hurt. The, to interject, Austin Krell said he beat me to the written recap. It's because you're running a race I didn't participate in, Bozo. <laughs> I just want you to want it to be clear that I didn't do a written recap because they curb stomped this team tonight, okay? That's, I didn't do it. We're here for the post-game show. So you take your victory lap running your own race. You're like that meme of the guy on the podium who's <laughs> popping champagne. He's got his medals around his neck and he's in like 13th place. Good job. Oh, man. Can we, we let him have his moment? No. <laughs> John says, I called my agent to reach out to the Hornets to see if I can get a, a contract. <laughs> Absolutely, John. He was on the phone with the Mitch, Mitch Kupchak at the break. Was that? How bad? Are, listen. The three teams that we've seen over the past two weeks from the Washington Wizards, the Detroit Pistons, and the Charlotte Hornets. Now, look, Charlotte had three of their starters out and another rotational player in uh, Cody Martin sitting on the bench. But they had a lot of guys on the bench. They they did. This one, I, I will give the Hornets a bit of slack. When you're down 
LaMelo, Mark Williams, Gordon Hayward, B.J. Washington, Yeah, four stars. Yeah. That's, about Gordon that, Hayward. Those are real absences. Those are guys that are yep. reasonable NBA players. So It was bad. It was still awful, it was really but they bad. at least had a reason to be awful. It was really bad. So we'll see if we can follow up. Uh, uh, that performance and give a better one than the Charlotte Hornets did uh, here as the Sixers win once again taking down the Hornets to win their sixth consecutive game the Sixers did winning by a final score of 135 to 82 Joel Embiid par for the course here you know I saw somebody already say give the man the damn trophy because it's that's that's the level that he is playing at currently with what he is doing and we saw it very very early he was at 20 what was he at halftime 20 25, 27 27 and he was at 18 in the first quarter yeah at 18 he almost, almost rolled a into a 20 and 10 in the first quarter which yep. would have been insane and then Tyrese Maxey got involved he was quiet in the first quarter second quarter he got going yeah and he ended up with 20 plus he had five threes there early on and they had it rolling and we saw it we heard it 48 to 44 the Sixers two stars potential all-stars we think <laughs> led the Hornets at the break by the score of 48 to 44 Kyle let's start with you man because um this one was funny we as you said you Austin you were really running a race all unto yourself because <laughs> Kyle started to write it well even Devon's coming at Krell yes, this is, I, that's I, a real tough I got, night I, I got Austin. back my guy here and <laughs> and and look I love Austin but he had to stop because there was nothing to write about you probably shouldn't have written anything either Austin because there was no need to but look 42 15 three assists two block shots 18 of 23 from that's the, the floor one that jumps out in to me. 29 minutes and 53 seconds go for it i mean listen man the the dominance the efficiency but again I, i've been harping on the leadership part like a lot of the credit i feel like for their progress against these crappy teams it's going to Nick Nurse, and we can get to Nick at some point. He deserves a lot of credit for the night-to-night -night approach, the way the team's playing, the cohesion, the second unit coming together, all that. The most important thing for this team is Joel Embiid coming out every single night against these dog shit teams and saying there is not a single person or really a group of three people on this team who can hold me down, right? Like when he walks into the gym against a team like that, and says, I'm the baddest motherfucker on this floor and acts like it, carries himself like it, attacks the glass, is getting to his spots, is doing his thing, sealing guys deep in the post so they have no chance to get to him. Again, I keep joking that we're going to have to start an entry pass of the night segment for mm -hmm. Nick Batum. Mm -hmm. What do you mean joking? We were debating that we in the middle like, of the really show. Might have Are to we do really it. not going to bring your that call? up? Yeah, it's your call. <laughs> we're doing it. We might get to it at it? some point. We're doing when, it. He's, when he's got a guy who's throwing him good entry passes, <laughs> quick ones, so they're taking advantage of what he's doing, he's unstoppable. I was doing a bit of research, as Derek was, during the, yep. the end of the game here. Joel Embiid now has more points scored than total minutes played. We're in mid-December. This is not like, oh, he had a couple of really good games to open the season. He's been taking quarters off all year because they're kicking the shit out of teams. And it's mostly because he has been at a level higher than he was at during an MVP season last year when he was hitting all-time levels for the franchise and everywhere else. So... I just want to say, because Joel and I have had it out once or twice this year about things I've said, and 
trying to hold him accountable for needing to get to a level that I think he can hit. He has been awesome during this stretch. And we're going to get to the team component of this in a little bit, I think. But all those defensive complaints that we had a week ago, a week and a half ago, they have treated these crappy opponents for as bad as they are. They have come in with a defensive mentality. every night. Like, to create a 53-point margin of victory, you not only have to score a lot of points, you have to say, we're not letting these bozos get a bunch of easy points against us. They ended the third quarter up 100-59. to The Hornets, in a game in 2023, had 59 points at the end of three quarters. And that's a credit to Joel, DeAnthony, Kelly Oubre off the bench, Batum, Tyrese... I said it to you at one point during the game, sliding in as the low man. Like I, I have seen real effort, real intensity from these guys, the type of intensity we saw to start the season. And a lot of that starts with Joel. I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at this. And when I look at what Joel Embiid is doing right now, and you know, we, we, we can throw the super chat in there if you want, because it is about Embiid saying that, uh, you know, not impressed. Uh, Bernard says not impressed and be way too aggressive on offense. People are standing around more. Please do this against Boston. They won the by Bucks. 53 points. That's, that's where I was going. That's my <laughs> point. But thank you for saying that very loudly because it needed to be said and screamed very loudly. Listen, He's supposed to do that, and he did it. We, When we get there, we'll get there, and we'll evaluate it based on when we get there, if he does that or does not do that against those two basketball teams. But for right now, he's doing it the way that he's supposed to be doing it, the same way the team is supposed to be blowing these teams yes. out, these three teams that we've seen four times over the course of these last two weeks. This is what they're supposed to be doing. Now, we're not throwing a parade. You don't see us having confetti and things dropping down and us putting on party hats. We're just simply pointing out, number one, how bad the Charlotte Hornets are and the other two teams that are really, really Really bad in today's NBA, but also the difference of what this basketball team is opposed to what we have seen in the more recent years when they have been still very, very good and a contending team. But for right now, we're seeing a different version of that. And that's what's most important right now. Yes, they're being down the bad teams. But again, this stuff matters the same way it mattered when you would call out if they lost to this same type of team in the past. You also point out when they beat this same type of team in a dominating and a fashion in which they had no shot absolutely no shot to come back and win this basketball game. And then to the Embiid point, the one thing that I thought I saw from him over the last couple of years with him being serious, we all want him to be serious. But then there's also that one thing about him that we saw in his early part of his career when they were just getting started, where he was in, seemed like he was enjoying himself. And right now within the flow of this offense, the team defense, how they're playing together, it seems like, again, that he is enjoying himself. And with that, then it goes to the next person and the next person and the next person. The same way Kyle brought it up a couple of weeks ago, it's infectious. When you see your best player doing something one way, then they do it. And then the next man does it, and it continues to go down the line. Derek continues to talk about how hard these reserves play at the end of the game. Yes, I'm not that's talking coaching. because you guys are just going on like 15-minute monologues each. Well, this is like I've the angriest I've ever heard Devon on the show. He's fired. Yes, that's here. coaching, but it's also starting with your star player. And the star player is out there busting it. 
You hear Marcus Mars talking about him after the game last night when Kyle was bringing him up about how much he was talking about Joel Embiid. On my way in during the pregame, I was listening to the radio call and what Marcus Mars was saying in that, which is it's really fun to see him. He knows him. He's been around him, but he has never been around a player like this when you're talking about the best version of that player, and that's what we're getting. Bernard, thank you, though, for the donation. We really appreciate your super chat. Derek. <laughs> oh, I can, I can finally speak that. Thank you. Thank you. Look, <laughs> like Kyle said, he has more points than minutes played so far. I looked it up. Wilt only did that once. He did it, but he did it once. It was a season he averaged 50 points per game. That was the only year in Wilt's career that he averaged more points than minutes played. What Embiid is doing is legitimately historic, not just for the modern era. It's historic no matter when you look at. And on top of that, Sixers, I wrote an article recently, but I went back and looked at basically a snapshot of every Monday. Where did they rank offensively? They've been number two or number three in the league offensively every week since the start of November. That's six weeks now in a row. It's been very consistent. It's not just beating up these bad teams that goose their ranking. You know, I looked at when they played top 10 defenses. They had the fourth best offense in the league against top 10 defenses. They have been executing offensively about as well as you could possibly imagine that includes Embiid individually. You know, a lot of credit was given to James Harden last year for quote-unquote helping Joel Embiid get that MVP while he's playing at a higher level offensively right now, even after the, the subtraction of your best passer and one of your two real ball handlers. And the team as a whole is executing just as well as they were last year. It's to not give him credit. Look, we all agree he has to do it in the playoffs. Yeah. Everybody agrees to that. We can come up with reasons why that hasn't happened, whether that's opponent, whether that's um, injuries. Injury is a big part of it. But you can't change that now. You can appreciate what the heck he has done. I, I always go back to what my pre-draft eval was of Joel Embiid. And I, I was very high on Joel Embiid, uh, even after you the You were definitely injury. higher than I was Same. on him. I, I was, remember so having these conversations with Derek Pretty much the only one yep. who said, even after the foot injury, yes, you still take him number one overall. His upside is worth that. And even with that disclaimer out of the way, what he has developed into is just freaking absurd. Watching him be able to bully his way inside, seal his man, or that, that pull-up baseline jumper that he hit in the first half, just to have the skill level to do that and also be able to pick you apart with his passing, which I think that leap he's made this year is real and legitimate, to have pretty much every skill in the book. He just goes over an offseason and goes, I'm going to master this, and somehow he comes back and he does it. Again, we all want a championship. Everyone's in agreement with that. He has to do it in the playoffs. You can still appreciate what the hell this incredible player is doing on a night and night basis. He had a great pass to Nick Batum, cutting yes. in the middle of the floor that Batum missed it. But the passing it was a is great real. Pass. It yeah. is real. It's a great pass. Yeah, and Darnell says, uh, isn't he averaging more assists this year? Uh, asking that, averaging more assists. That's this his, is a career his best high passing so far. year ever. Yeah. yeah, and look, if if he wins the MVP, great. You know, back to back MVP, and he'll be in the conversation. I think. To this point, if he continues to play like this, I think more NBA fans out there will appreciate when this one more, number one, because it's not being talked about by him. Yeah. And then just how he's doing it now without Embiid, without Doc Rivers, he's doing it differently under Nick Nurse. But look, he's playing. 
I, I, I love basketball just like you guys do. And I know a lot of you guys out there do too. That's why you're hanging out with us on a Saturday night and always check in. The man is playing some really good basketball, and I'm not diminishing that at all. It's hard to get 40-plus points in a basketball game, Let alone period. in three quarters. Yes. <laughs> he hasn't played in four, in four consecutive fourth quarters because of how dominant the team has been and how dominant he has been. It's insane right now with what he's doing. And again, this is maybe the worst stretch of opponents I can ever remember them playing. It's a fair point. But what's also a fair point is they have been a top two ranked offense for a month and a half. It's yeah. not just this stretch. And we do have Biggie with a super chat. Shout out to Biggie, who offering a, a message of chill to Bernard. <laughs> says this is a two-point win under Doc. Enjoy having a competent basketball team, bro. I also, I don't want to... We love Bernard here. Don't want to pick yeah, on Bernard. Yeah, yeah. That's why we said we're thank build, you. We're building yeah. off of Bernard's point. What I want to say here is that there are definitely times we talked about it a lot prior to the season, Derek, before you got here, Devon, like I wanted to see Joel pass more, maybe take a step back as a scorer. But he just shot 78% from the field right. for his 42 points, and they won by 53. This is not the time for him to take a step back. It didn't even feel like he was forcing it that much. He just didn't miss. I can't blame the guy for not missing. I can't get upset about that. There was only one time in this game where I thought he should have passed the basketball, and that was when Nick Batum cut baseline. You knew B wanted to get his 40. We all knew that. But it was... He's been having this thing where, with his vision that he's very locked in with passing the basketball. I'm like, hit him right there, baseline. That's an easy bucket. He missed it, but I wasn't mad. I wasn't like, oh, he's, he's gunning now. No, he was just he looked, going for his, which, you know, I guess that's technically the term. He's entitled to it at this yeah. point. <laughs> but, you know, that was the only time that I even looked at anything and said, come on, man, you got to pass that basketball. But I'm picking because they were up 40-plus points in the game at that point when he did not make that pass. Another super chat from, from John. Where's Embiid in the pantheon of Sixers players? At what point does he pass AI, Doc, et cetera? Oh, I, I Is it mostly about playoff performance? Thank you, John. I remember it was before, I think I, it might have been before he played a game. I was on the other, we can, we can mention them now since you're not employed by them. I was on WIP, I forget which podcast. Um, but it was before he played a game, I said, I think he's going to be better than AI. And I think he is a better basketball player than AI. Not accomplished more. So I was going to say, there's the, the conversation is better versus greater. Right. I think better, he clearly is. Yeah. And uh, honestly, AI is the one I always go to how we tend to overstate playoff legacies and how much that should matter. Because AI was one Vince Carter jumper away from never having a playoff run of any real consequence in his life. And he didn't have any control over that play. You can draw a lot of parallels between some of the ones that, like, the Kawhi shot. Um, I do think we tend to overstate the importance of that when we're talking about greatness. That's why I'll say AI has accomplished more than Embiid. But I think I think Embiid's a better basketball player. I also want to say because I, I loved I loved AI. Like he's one of the reasons again, that I'm. I got into in basketball yep. in, a, in many ways because of AI. I'll say this: one thing that gets left, or one person that gets left out of these conversations, typically is Barkley. Yes, sir. Barkley was incredible, and yeah. he was saddled with a lot of terrible teammates and mm -hmm. teams and was playing at the time when Michael Jordan and Larry Bird were and the Bad Boys Pistons are running the East. So he's right up there, too. Like I, no I know Dr. J and Wilt are kind of at the the top of the, the greatest stuff, but yeah. Chuck was incredible and deserves a lot more credit for I know he gets a ton of credit for his body work. It's always like the best player to never win a title. But I feel like because his MVP year was in Phoenix, that 
he people don't think as much about that Sixers run for some reason. So I just want to make sure Chuck gets his flowers on our show. By the way, you mentioned his 78% field goal percentage tonight. He had 70% against Washington uh, on Monday, where he was 14 for 20 for 34, 11 and 6 overall. For the month of December and through six games, he's at 58.6 field goal percentage from the floor overall. And again, in the last four games, folks, he has not played in the fourth quarter. I think quarter. that means he's now uh, more efficient than last year, right? Because we, we talked about this a couple days ago, and I think it was if 55 not, he's very 53. Close, yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, listen, we got to talk about a lot more, including Tyrese Maxey, the rest of the team, the rest of the group overall. Kelly Oubre firing it up just to get back in Charlotte and make sure he puts some numbers on them. But before we get to that, let's get to uh, one of our... Guys, you know about them by now, our partners at AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement, supporting whole body health. I drink it every single day. I got my, my nice shaker bottle. I got it set up in the fridge once I open my package. And look, I'd say it every time, as Devon and Derek will attest to, our diets can go a little bit astray during the season. We're running around, we're working Mine's late garbage. nights and work weird hours. <laughs> so I need something to replenish my vitamins, get me going, especially in the morning. Since I started adding AG1 to my morning routine, I can feel a noticeable difference in my energy, which is when I tend to struggle in the mornings as a night out. You can ask my wife. She will give you the briefing on how pleasant I am in the mornings. But with AG1, doing a little bit better. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit, and it helps you build your health foundation first. When you take AG1 every day, you're starting a micro habit with macro benefits, and you're doing it in the simplest way possible. And at a cost of less than $3 a day, you can't afford not to have AG1 as a part of your daily routine. So guys, if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. So go to drinkag1.com slash phly6ers. That's drinkag1.com slash phly6ers. Check that out today. And after you're feeling good, taking that first thing in the morning and you have your day going, and then you say, you know what? I think I want to go to an event tonight. Maybe a basketball game, maybe a football game, whatever it might be. I have the place for you. And at our... Yeah, that is with our friends at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be st stressful, especially when my partner is laughing in my ear. I can do this, though. Game Time is the fast <laughs> and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you're going to have, especially if you witness a 50-plus perform, 50-plus point blowout by your team. You have to feel good about that. Here's some things that you know you can experience on the Game Time app. That is lowest price guarantee, events, event cancellation, per protection, job loss, images of seat views. You want to know that if game like that, you might be able to move down in a game like that. We've seen that in the past when the a lot uh, of Hornets Philadelphia fans hitting the exits early. <laughs> I would imagine or move down <laughs> and get a closer view with your phone so you can take some pictures. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Flash deals and last minute tickets. Get images of your seat once again before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Just two taps and you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you don't have to dig through all the emails looking for your Wi-Fi service. It's already right there. You got it. 
great holiday gift, by the way, are those tickets. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I'm always much better, and I will continue to be better with these reads as we I go along. It. Don't worry about it. You might have flubbed the beginning of that, but at least your computer hasn't started playing audio yet. Very good. And at least did it you, didn't have did a BIOS update sure. in the middle well, of the show. That's, I fair. Made that's sure. a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> All right, before we get to some of the other guys that played really well, everyone played well in this game, we have uh, a ton of Super Chats that we want to get to with everybody here. Uh, where, where do we leave off? We leave off with John, I believe. John. Uh, on the super chat, Monera says, "Where's oh, we got to that one already? We Jay of the Jungle. All right, Jay. I don't know. Okay, cool. Embiid has been an absolute <laughs> monster on a nightly basis. Jokic was the worst MVP ever until he wasn't. Eh, the full story of Embiid hasn't been written. No, but I think that's a, a a fair point. Even if I don't necessarily agree with the premise, narratives change on a." Dime. And yes. all it takes is one playoff run. I talked about it with AI. If, if that Carter shot goes in, how does maybe not Philly, because Philly, I think, would have loved him anyway because of what he represented and how entertaining he was. But nationally, how does that change how he's remembered? You go through a lot of players like that and beads like that, too. And the last couple of MVPs won their, their trophies before they won the title. And if Embiid comes out and has a real great playoff run, dominates for the first time really in the playoffs offensively, that narrative will change real quickly. And I, that's part of why I don't want to take maybe some struggles in the postseason, whether that's his fault, whether that's injuries. I don't think that should write the entire narrative because if you do that, you can overlook what has really been just one of the truly incredible developments uh, in, in recent history. Like he came out of nowhere to become the most dominant scoring threat in the NBA. And you shouldn't lose sight of that. He might become the first center since Bob McAdoo to win three straight scoring titles. Like right now is on pace to do so. And he's on pace to do so not playing in the fourth quarter and half of yeah. their wins this season. Like that's that, nine times now. That's mind-boggling. That's nine times. So, how about that load management? We're not complaining about nine, that load management. He's played hey, this is a Doc Rivers thing that I loved. He used to call that old-school load management. Exactly. Unfortunately, yeah. there was not a whole lot of that under him because they weren't winning games by enough. But. Nine out of 22 appearances, he has not needed to play. They're 18-4 and four when he plays. Crazy. <laughs> that's pretty good, huh? It's not bad. It's pretty good. It's 11 games over 500. They are right now 18 and 7 on the campaign. Another super chat from Our the, guy Vince. the big Embiid. What do you want to call him? Supporter? Oh, oh. I certainly wouldn't call him that. <laughs> no. Vince says you have to give credit to how Embiid is playing. Sixers have made it hard to enjoy the regular season, but this team is having fun and winning, and that is all I can ask for right now. So I want to make you Vince. Say, so Vince works for the company. Not a huge Embiid fan. And the way I'll say that, so like when we start this company, I see Vince's name, I look him up on Twitter, I have him muted. Our coworker, I have him muted. <laughs> I find out the reason I have him muted is because he was an anti-Embiid guy, a trade Embiid guy. Uh, so for him to have said that, he, Embiid is turning people around. Uh, he's, he's turning the viewpoint of people around. I, I think. But, and by the way, I still think maybe I should have him muted. Maybe I'll even try to mute him in Slack. <laughs> we'll see about that. That's TBD. Um, but yeah. Something that Vince said there, I want to key in on, that, that they're fun to watch, they're a fun group to be around. I, I think that's something you feel being around the team, 
it's another thing that Marcus Morris brought up as he was talking about, you know, the run that they're on and, you know, how he's fitting in with this team right now is that the, those second unit guys are super bought in. Like they're enjoying building that second group behind the starters. And Marcus says, you know, last night he said something to the effect of, God damn, the, the plus minus was crazy for the starters. And the bench guys come in and they're like, well, we don't want to mess this up. These guys are starting us off so well. They feel like they have to match that energy. And they're playing tons of minutes and practice together. They're playing one-on-ones after practice, before practice, doing things together. I think something that is clear talking with Joel and being around Joel, he really enjoys the camaraderie of this group. That one of the big struggles for him over the last half decade or so is that the team has changed over and over and over again. And that's not just at the roster level. That's the GM. That's the head coach. They're cycling through co-stars and role players and this and that. And I know that Daryl indicated during his big soliloquy yesterday that might be making a move sooner than later. I know you hit on that yesterday, Derek. I really wonder how big of a move they're willing to make when they see this team is just absolutely rolling. And not only that, feels like they're all bought in on one shared vision yeah. and goal. And that's the the real key part for and, me. And it is nice just finally having a co-star who truly compliments him. Yes. And Simmons, obviously defensively, they complement each other very well. They were a perennial top two, top three defense in the league. Offensively, they were, you know, square peg, round hole. Harden was different. You know, he could get Embiid those, those, you could send those pocket passes, get him those jumpers. But Harden kind of wanted a, a, you know, pick and dive big man that wasn't Embiid. And Embiid really needed some off ball spacing, and catch and shoot was not Harden's game. For Maxi to have mastered the pocket pass, the dribble handoff game, to be able to run just straight pick and roll, and for both of those skill sets to play well off of each other. On the one hand, you wish that they had spent the last four years developing this. Maxi wasn't ready four years ago, so you, you understand why. But it's just, it does, we can bring up a million what ifs. If the sort of like first piece next to Embiid was someone of Maxi's archetype, could Embiid have reached maybe this level a little sooner? I think it certainly would have helped, but I also think at this point Embiid is sort of just a force of nature. It probably would have taken Embiid a little time to add all of the skills and understanding of the game to get to this point. Actually, I want to give a hypothetical to you guys based on that point. If because he plays with the guy who he's, he's compared to all the time. If he had Jamal Murray from the start of Jamal Murray's career yeah. onward, has Joel advanced to a conference finals or further? Uh, it's a great, great question. I would say based on the trajectory of what, if we're talking Jamal Murray is, take away the championship, just going from that, I would say uh, yes. Because I think he's an easier player to play for. I was about yeah. to, to your point, I think he's more of a selfless player that fits better next to Embiid, where what we've seen from from Simmons in the past, he was also selfless, but he was also selfish because he wouldn't do some of the other things that he was uncomfortable with that would have made him even better as a player and probably advanced him, like getting to a game seven that didn't need to be when you were the number one seed to advance past Atlanta. And as you guys were laying it out, I was thinking about how Tyrese Maxey has fallen into this spot earned it, has become a star player, a young star player in this league, but his mindset, his selflessness next to Embiid from what everyone else who has co-starred next to him, even, you know, Jimmy Butler maybe, but he was only here for a shorter time, 
this is probably the type of temperament and type of uh, player with that type of approach to the game is what he may have needed all along next to him yeah. to get this thing to where it currently is right now. Now, albeit we know there we're only 25 games into the season, but Maxie's not going to change. He's not worried about things. He will go out there and give you 15, 10, and 5 if he had to, but they get on him for not shooting enough, and that's a good thing. And then he goes out there and he drops 5 of 8 from 3-pointers from 3-point range tonight, giving you 21 points in 32 minutes, 8 of 13. But he didn't really shoot until the third quarter. I mean, second quarter. So my, my point of it all was he finally has the right running mate. And with that, when we talk about Zach Levine and some of these other names that we throw out there, the one thing that we continue to harp on, each of us, is – Will they understand their role? Yes. Tyrese Maxey knows his role. He is the clear-cut two now. So when Kyle says, you, I wonder if you even attack that anymore and go get a different type of player because everything, the synergy there is right for this basketball team. Do you want to disrupt that? That's what we're talking about because now things have changed. If Talking in the past, how did it happen is one thing that I would always talk about um, in seasons, in games, as things progress throughout the eight months of a basketball season. How did it happen? Well, now Tyrese Maxey is showing us how it is happening right now because he has elevated himself where we are putting him in conversations for all NBA guards. And that's a long list, by the way, of these guards in the league that's all NBA. But he's in the conversation. Whether he makes it or not, that's beside the point. He's in the conversation because he's been that good. And in the end, he became that good of a complimentary player. But being the right guy that's next to Joel Embiid when he has taken the next step to being Joel Embiid's best, best self. You, you reminded me of something in the middle of that point, Devon. I don't know how many people in our chat were even alive during the Bad Boys Pistons reign. Was it really that long? Uh, yeah. 89. It was before 90, I was alive. I but, you know, I've watched all the documentaries and, you know, whatever. I, and I'm I a saw student it. of the game. I all saw that. it, yeah. I think a really important part, what you're talking about with Levine, understanding role, under buying into what the coach, what everyone else wants them to do. One of the biggest pivot points for the Bad Boys Pistons was trading Adrian Dantley for Mark Aguirre. Adrian Dantley was a guy who, when he played for Utah, had scored 30 points a game, awesome scorer, really good player in the 80s, wanted a bigger role on those Pistons, wanted to be a focal point of the offense, is clashing with Chuck Daly, and they decide to trade him for a guy who was good in Mark, like very good in Mark Aguirre, but who was going to take a step back and allow guys like Zeke, guys like Joe Dumars to drive the offense, lead the team at different times. And that was the thing that ultimately unlocked them, allowed them to make the jump from very good, like finals level team. They even with Isaiah Hurt the one year, they took the Lakers, to, I believe it was six games, mm -hmm. but then they win back to back titles because everyone sort of fell into place as, in their roles and as the guys that they needed to be. So, yes, it's always like a Daryl Morey's philosophy on star hunting and get the biggest players, biggest names possible. There's definitely something to that, right? Like stars ultimately drive titles. But when it comes to the rest of the group, you can't just like keep adding star talent or big name players and have it be additive. There is a, le a limit to... There's only one basketball, and the guy's got to share it, and everyone's got to, whether it's cutting, whether it's spotting up, whether it's defending the other team's best player, 
everyone has to be in complete understanding and cohesion with one another of what they need to do to accomplish their goal. So I'm not saying they can't, this is like an unbeatable Harlem Globetrotters type team, but they do need to go into the deadline seeing, okay, we have this group that everyone has fallen into place and knowing what they need to do. We're going to have to tinker very carefully to not mess anything up or more importantly, bring in somebody who doesn't understand what they need to do. Right. And to your point, you know, it, it, it's it's in large part. It's not like you're saying, "Oh, well, don't get Paul George because there's only one basketball." Like because Paul George right. can do everything on a basketball floor. It's when you get to someone like Zach Levine, yes. when your only real attribute is scoring and a little bit of creation, but mostly self-scoring. There is only one basketball, and Tyrese Maxey is slotted very well into that, you know, primary perimeter option. Uh, you need somebody who can, yes, score when maybe Max is off the floor, or maybe just when he has a matchup he can attack. But he halt, he has to be able to do other things as well, excel in other things. He has to be an all-around player. I agree 100%. It changes that calculus from where we were, you know, four months ago uh, to where you are now. You just have more information, and it'll, it'll be great when they play like real NBA teams again because we, yeah. the. And They're not going to win by 53 the points The information will be a little less noisy. But like I keep going back to, Maxi was having success against good teams. The team as a unit was having success against good teams. That doesn't mean it's going to translate directly to the playoffs. I do think Maxi's arch archetype is a little tougher. Like the short guard has a tougher job to do in the playoffs than maybe someone like Tatum who can just rise up and shoot over you at times. Maxi's not going to do that. He's going to have to create space. It's hard to create space against the really good teams. But I think there's so much confidence in him. Sure, go for the best player you can get. Just you have to take some fit into account with Maxi. I also want to say, because I feel a little guilty about putting him on blast a little bit. It's not like I said anything that wasn't on his public Twitter profile or anything, but still want to give Vince a shout out for all the help yesterday <laughs> in, uh, in our, our takeover at the Wells Fargo Center. You were terrific, buddy. I love you. I really do. You're just wrong on a beat. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Also, speaking of a takeover. I told you you would have fun with Vince and the MB <laughs> points. I told speaking you. Speaking of the takeover, we will be at Reading Terminal Market on Tuesday. So if you're in the area, want to stop by, talk some basketball, get some great food, check that out as well. And we accept food too. Yes. Just saying. I'm only eating the Knicks. I love all the stuff at Reading Terminal, but I want that roast pork and broccoli rob and long hots really? and sharp pro. That's yeah. my... That's my move every okay. time. I got I to gotta check that one out. I told you, well, I don't know if you were on at the time when I brought it up. My sister, she was like, you got to get the banana pudding. Got to bring yep. me some banana pudding. So we got to do that. So, yes, live from Reading Terminal. We will be at 1130 on Tuesday, December 19th. The rest of the crew, Phillies, Eagles, Flyers, Union, will all be there hanging out. And we hope that we get a chance to see you there as well as we lead into the holiday. Of course, come hang out with us at Reading Terminal on Tuesday. I think we've got some more uh, super chats. Super chats. I was about to say, by the way, it didn't hurt that Isaiah and Mark McGuire were childhood friends. Yes. Either, so. Yeah. And that's, look, <laughs> that's the leader of the team. But that only yes, reinforces exactly. the point, right? It's yep. like the, you're betting on not just the guy's basketball skill, but the relationship dynamics of the team. Like there are times when the locker room politics and all that are overrated, but it's definitely not something that you can completely push to the side or ignore look at the connectors here robert covington comes back you got Embiid. they already had a good relationship yes. you have Embiid and marcus morris two kansas guys you see now marcus morris is the greatest sixer of all time from a lot of people out there that's just how it works when man. are we going to de debut our uh, marcus morris moment of the night Devon? should we do that you're tonight? not even workshopping or it, should we wait until monday because that's as long as he is on this team it's the marcus morris moment of the night <laughs> 
whether it's good or bad, but it's mostly good. So get ready, folks. We're going to get into that. All right, let's get into our other Super Chats uh, right here. Bootzilla, I feel like there may be one or two moves to make, get a guard to possibly put Melton back on the bench in a backup center. So this is where it goes to, again, getting the right pieces where they don't have to be a star. That's why when we talk about OG Ananobi, Alex Caruso, seeming like, at least from afar, guys that may, they know their roles and they fit into those roles. And that, that's where to make things a lot easier for your team to still play that way. And if it is OG Ananobi, I don't know. I don't know if he, I did in the past, I remember reading while he was, while Nick Nurse was still there, he did complain a little bit at one point where he felt like he wasn't involved mm -hmm. enough in the offense. I don't know enough. I don't have enough information on that one to say. Don't know what his relationship is with, with Nick Nurse. But if he did come here, it would seem like he would fit in pretty well with what they do. And we already know what Alex Caruso is. The guy just goes out there and plays basketball. Tough, hard-nosed basketball. He just fits, and we'll see how that goes. I, I don't know what you guys think about that guard or you know, Tyus Jones. Backup there big. There you go. The obligatory Tyus <laughs> there you Jones go. mentioned. Backup big. I don't I don't know if another backup big. Do you feel like they still need that Paul I Reed? honestly don't know. Does it does like, it matter? Paul Reed frustrates me and I think frustrates fan, especially when you try to ramp up his role. But I'm not, I'm just not spending resources to get a marginal upgrade at backup center when you have a capable one. And I'm not gonna like we've always sort of been dubious of whether Paul could expand to playing minutes alongside Embiid. Uh, I I think maybe Nick has to get him. Um, you hold him a little closer, maybe like Doc did, and limit his role. I think that's how you get the most out of Paul Reed. But if you do that, I think Paul Reed is a f capable backup center. I'm not focusing on that. So I think backup big is basically only if. It's only useful if Joel goes down, and if Joel right. goes down, you're sunk anyway. So I, yeah, Paul's fine. He's going to buy you the time that you need for Joel in the playoffs, and if Joel's not healthy in the playoffs, none of it matters anyway. No, I mean you are a little worried. You know, the the crazy thing is that Embiid is having arguably a better year than last year, and he's probably he's he's like the MVP. I feel like the MVP conversation should be pretty easy because he's been. Not easy because it never is, and there's a lot of season left. But he is more more necessary for this team than he was last year, because you had Harden yes. last year. Harden could drive offense. You didn't have that uh, thing where, like, right now when Embiid's out of the lineup, not out of the lineup, when he misses a game, they just don't have a way to produce offense for 48 minutes. That wasn't the case last year. So he is playing better, more efficient basketball, even when he has less help around him and when his team relies on him even more. It is wild. It's wild. Furious with another super chat. Look at that. We like donations, donations. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. <laughs> donations. You all saw Coming to America. It's the best movie of all, you know, one of the best movies Great of all movie. time. Uh, it seems like how Embiid is scoring will translate better in the playoffs than previous years. Not so predictable. I think it's probably easier to say that right now because sure. every shot is going in. But I, I think to the point that Furious is making here, some of that's not scoring. I know that this was a... 42 point you only had three assists or whatever a lot of that is how they're playing on offense Joel's willingness to share the ball I feel like I harp on this all the time Kelly Oubre cutting baseline and providing an outlet that Joel knows if he hits that guy that's a dunk it's not PJ Tucker sliding in or I should say waddling in <laughs> looking like a penguin I out don't there miss that. and being so scared of a rim protector because he can't jump more than like a phone book's 
height off the ground that he knows he's going to get blocked. So it turns into, oh, what do I do? And yeah, so to have real athletes playing on the team, cutting from the corner, scoring pretty regularly, passes that I don't think Joel would have made in the past are being made regularly. And then on top of that, he's he's got the shooters. He's got, as we have talked about a lot on this show, Tyrese in that natural number two role. So it's, look, it's, there were moments tonight that I looked over at Devon. I was like, these guys look like a machine right now. And mm-hmm. I know that it was a, a bad team, but seeing them play in transition where guys are in the right lanes, they're getting to the right spots. Tyrese Maxey has a shot opportunity from three, but then he can kick it to Melton or then he can kick it to Batum or there's a guy arriving late or Joel sealed a guy off at the basket there's two and three options on every fast break basically it's just it's wonderful to watch after watching the the death march that they were on at times last year and look very effective death march but it was slow as all hell for most of the season Uh, one of the points even though they've had these bad opponents the defense has been strong and I know you guys uh, wanted to get into that so the defense again tonight I mean (laughs) It was it was really really good tonight. Uh, Charlotte shot thirty six percent from the floor. They were seven of thirty five from beyond the three point line for twenty percent, and thirty three for ninety one. We know they were missing a lot of people. We know that they played Detroit these last uh, two games, home and home Wednesday and Friday, and their defense has been really good though, Derek. Right. And I, I know that's something that. Some things that even though, yes, it's against bad opponents, but we've also seen it against good teams, and it's something that if they continue to do it this way, uh, that it could translate into more wins and obviously certain things in the playoffs with the way that their defense is playing. Yeah. No, they're like Kyle mentioned during the game, they're playing a lot more like they were early in the season. And that, I won't call it a hiccup because it was a very extended hiccup. Um, that's, that's quite a bit <laughs> yeah. of hiccups, yeah. That 13-game stretch there was mind-boggling and frustrating. They look like they're out of it a little bit. Again, I would like to see it against NBA-caliber offenses. Uh, but just from a schematic standpoint, from an energy standpoint, it's been a night and day difference. And, again, you want to see it when they go up against – um, not that they have a world beater schedule coming up, but they at least have functional, competent NBA teams. The Minnesota game is going to be awesome. I'm really excited for that. Sure, but even there, they're more of a defensive juggernaut than they're an yeah. offensive one. Um, but just back to the, like scrambling all over the place, forcing turnovers, getting out on the break, using your length and athleticism to try to disrupt the other team. And again, these are opponents that are easily disrupted, but still, just conceptually, it is much nicer to watch. And I would say. The biggest thing that you're battling in games like these is not the opponent. It's your own complacency. Yeah. Like the, mm-hmm. when you play, especially a run of games like this, that's what has been so shocking this week, I think. It's like you play a bunch of these terrible teams in a row. You're due for like one just let down. Oh, my God, they got to pull this out of the fire in the final eight minutes and still probably win the game because the talent discrepancy is what it is. But you just walk in like, look, we keep beating these bozo teams. We don't have to dial it up every night. And that's also where I brought it up at the start of the podcast. I do think Nick Nurse deserves at least some credit for that, right? For having these guys mm-hmm. ready to go. Like if if the coach is going to take blame when teams are not prepared for these moments, for these teams, then certainly you have to give a little bit of credit when teams firing on all cylinders, the bench is playing hard. The culture right now seems really strong. You have guys oh, wait, like... Wait, but Doc told me he fixed the culture. He told <laughs> us that many times. 
he would probably he tell you right that. now that this is part of his legacy yeah. that he left behind he if you were to, he did. to get him, I heard him in front of a microphone. <laughs> right. But the point being, like, I love seeing Jaden Springer, even though I think he should be playing real rotation minutes, but hard to argue with the way they're playing right now. Jaden Springer and D House and Mo Bamba and these guys come in for the final quarter to eight minutes of the game in these blowouts. They're playing goddamn hard. They're coming out there and they're doing the same things, albeit at slightly worse level than the other guys. But they're playing hard against other guys who on these bad teams are in a lot of cases fighting for their NBA lives, like fighting for their jobs. So for guys who are vets, guys who are young players ascending to come in and do that, that to me is as strong a sign of their culture as basically anything right now. And look, I think one thing that's going to be real interesting when we start talking about the playoffs and the other side of the floor, offensive, how much Embiid's passing can really help. And you mentioned like just a simple like baseline cut by Ubre, where PJ Tucker would have been standing in cement in the corner, and it's just so much tougher to guard when you when you're worried about Embiid passing. It's you just get a little more concerned, a little more hesitant, and to double team his way because now he can use that. Um, movement to get an open shot and if you're just a second late on the double team it makes scoring easier and everything is just kind of falling into place and again these rotations from some of these bad teams aren't a half second late they're two or three seconds late and that's making Embiid's life really easy hence the 40 whatever points he scored in three quarters of play but just the threat of the pass the threat of the cut the threat of the movement off ball it makes teams hesitate and i want to see what everything looks like with now maxi knowing his role with maybe the, the team cutting more and being a little bit better coached on offense with embiid embracing passing a little more and hopefully and knock on wood embiid healthy for the entirety of that playoff run or at least for most of it um We've been saying that the entire his entire career. I want to see what the playoffs look like when he doesn't have a broken finger or a busted up eye socket or any combination of knee injuries that he has. Gosh, I, I really just I want to see it. I want a chance to write, write write that legacy with all of the pieces in place. And before we get to a few more points, before we wrap things up tonight, we always want to thank you guys for hanging out with us. Uh, even on a Saturday night, especially on a Saturday night, late night like this, you could be doing anything, but you decided to hang out with us. So make sure you, again, tell a friend and tell another friend and tell the other friend and then that friend and then the family. Make sure you're watching us on Christmas as well because love, you'll be with your family. I love you co-opting the, uh, and the you, Tobias tell a friend to tell a friend. Tell oh, me. I thought I he, you co-opted Jay-Z too. It was basically the, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. Exactly. I appreciate that. Both of those. Both of those people. Uh, but a few more things game-wise. I just wanted to say that because, of course, we can't do it without you, and we appreciate you hanging out with us and those two references that those guys just brought up. <laughs> um, the uh, Athletic had a little story. The Detroit Pistons beat writer, he had the story talking about the bad Pistons, their 22nd consecutive loss, now 23, after they lost to the Milwaukee Bucks tonight. By the they, way, we were talking about it pre-show. Giannis had his kids on the bench in the fourth quarter, the so they were ultimate, getting ultimately disrespected Ultimate now. sign of disrespect. They were sitting there playing with Uncle Thanasis on the bench. Now, um, as, as we look at things now, and that piece had a story mentioning Tobias Harris in there as a potential target point for the Detroit Pistons as they try to, yes, they have their youth movement, but they want some more veterans on the basketball team. OG Ananobi is the number one thing that they're focused on, but they also mentioned in the piece that Tobias Harris might be a guy, if he becomes available by the trade deadline, 
We don't know that he is. We don't know that he isn't. And right now, this team is rolling. We're not pointing fingers at Tobias Harris at all. We're just simply bringing up a piece that we saw, and Harris's name was mentioned in there as a target to return to the Pistons and help a veteran with some leadership, with that young group, with Monty Williams, who wants that on his basketball team. Derek, what do you think of something like that? You know, as we look at that, it's a hypothetical thing right now. Detroit is really bad. They need a lot of help. And sometimes it is having some veterans, even though Bogdanovich, Alec Burks are there, maybe they look at Tobias Harris as a different type of veteran. Yeah, I mean, look, I think... Here's what I'll say about something a little more generic about Tobias Harris. I think a lot of people still look at that and be like, oh, there's no way Daryl could trade him or like would be able to. I mean, by that, not that he wouldn't want to, that he wouldn't be able to. Yeah, he could. It's real easy to trade. It's an never been contract. easier to trade him than right yeah. now. Like it is, is. It's not like, is he worth this year's salary? Nobody really cares. Some people maybe write up against like the, the tax might, but an expiring contract, you can almost always trade. And especially if you're willing to take back extra salary in additional years, yeah, that's tradable. It just has to make sense for the Sixers. Like, we're at the point in Tobias Harris's contract, and it it took a long time to get here. But we're at a point where the trade actually has to make sense for for the Sixers from a basketball standpoint. Uh, So I think when you start talking about Tobias Harris, forget about the contract. Forget about how much he's paid. Forget about your frustrations with him. I understand all that. Because he's an expiring contract, yes, you can trade him if the deal makes sense. Played pretty well tonight, by the way. I mean, everybody Mm -hmm. did when you went by 53, but decent game for him. Here's what I would say just regarding any Pistons rumors. That does dovetail with what I've been saying recently where I feel like the Pistons are in cover their asses mode in that front office. So Troy Weaver, as you call him. Yeah, Troy Weaver, (laughs) if he is still allowed to have any kind of say on front office decisions for God knows what reason – He's going to do what he can to try to save his job and do some short-term fixing. Certainly getting someone like Tobias for whatever weaknesses he has on a contending team is at least like a true professional would represent some form of competence for them. But yeah, I I can't see how they, (laughs) maybe the owner just like is so checked out. They don't care. I know there's been a, we were talking at some point that I think there's a push from Pistons fans to, they want the team they, sold to yes. somebody else. So yep. maybe that's what needs to happen. But I can't believe they would let the brain trust that put together this team. Because, again, to harp on what we said last night after the the second win of the week over the Pistons, this isn't the second-round picks and undrafted free agency group for them as it was for the process Sixers. Yep. This, this is the core, or was supposed to be the core, and they are – Booty. <laughs> so I don't know how they're gonna nah, let you guys say like Michelle McCoy. Remember when Michelle McCoy called Dak Prescott? <laughs> I'm not sure. I remember. I'll, I'm sure if I that, saw the clip, but he I said would. it a little differently. Yeah, yeah, he said it a little differently. The schedule really fast for Detroit. Not that we care, but look, when historic things are happening, we do talk about it. And right now, after losing again the 22nd consecutive loss for the Pistons, they are two and 24. They lost tonight, 146 to 114. <laughs> Atlanta on Monday in Atlanta. Sneaky victory probability there, I think. Okay. Utah, they have to win. That's that's the next one. That's the most must-win game a two-win team has ever had in mid-December. After two more days off, Tuesday and Wednesday, they're off, and then they host the Utah Jazz. I mean, yeah, the Utah Jazz on that night. So they'll have some time. Practice. Get some practice time in Talking there. Talking about practice. Yes, we are. What are we doing? And then they have Brooklyn and a home and home at Brooklyn Saturday, December 23rd. 
Tuesday at home against Brooklyn on the 26th. They better not lose uh, to the Detroit Pistons or else I'm probably going to hear it from these two guys at the Pistons <laughs> defeated the Brooklyn Nets to break the, you know, the end of the streak. Then they have Boston and Toronto to wrap up the December schedule, the finishing off the 2023 calendar. That's rough. If you can't beat Atlanta, Utah, and certainly through Brooklyn, you're not beating Boston and probably not Toronto. That's yeah. rough. Yeah. That's rough. And that's well, enough discussion of the Detroit yes. Pistons. Yes. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was it. funny. Our social media account, I won't mention which one of us sent the tweet, but mentioned that the Pistons need a Colangelo. I was watching the game in the first quarter. Mm. I'm like, somebody I needs to bring... I wonder who that could be. <laughs> I was watching a game in the first quarter. Look, somebody <laughs> needs to bring in Ish Smith to save. I'm like, oh, but then he is on this squad. I completely mm. forgot he's with the Hornets. He's been on every team in the NBA. Oh, he's man. the those uh, what is it? Not NBA Wordle. What's the the uh, immaculate grid? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. He's the easy answer for like 14 different teams. So yeah. unfortunately, that people have figured that out and almost always use them. So what is one? What hurts your score? Three, one of the four, better five, sixes to be around during that time when they were losing. Good dude. Ish was Good the dude. best. Yes, he 13 was. Teams. Thirteen teams. Thirteen teams. That was one off. He's up there with uh, Jimmy Jackson, right? Jimmy Jackson used to have that record, and I, I think others. Is. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Sixers win 18 and seven on the season. They defeated the Pistons 135-82. It wasn't even that close. As the game went on, was not that close. Uh, they were up by 53 points. They win the game by, it's just, oh, man, 64 points in the paint. Good times. Good times to see that. And shame. I, th- I feel like they started off the game shooting like one for seven, one for eight from three. It, just it was. One, one for seven. Make. We could have been talking about one a 60-point win, on, fellas. Come on, Kelly. Disgraceful. Come on, Kelly. Disgraceful. Kelly, right, you guys want to get up on out of here? Let's get on up out of here. You want to talk to the people? I want to talk to my talk people. To people. Guys, as always, want to say thank you for so many people for being here. I see Shahid, Bootzilla, John, Alton, Darnell, Jason A., Marcus, John, A.C. Phila, Charlie, my guy, the two-minute warning, who I know you appreciated up, that Al? Jay-Z reference that I threw in there. Thank you very much. Shout out to Izzo. Frankie, Ramage, Brian C. Got Luke, Joe, Fresh Prince, Harry. There's just so many of you guys. One Bernard, second. also Bernard, because Bernard, yep. Bernard was getting dunked on for a while there. We still love, we love you, Bernard, you, Bernard. Even if other people did not love your opinion tonight. Enjoy those say that. big performances. I want performances. to say two-minute warning. It was great meeting you at the meetup there yesterday. Uh, also, I know Dan, who was in the chat earlier. Great meeting you as yes, well. Yes, sir. And I don't Vince, think I actually got to meet Dan. That was I talked to him via Instagram, but yeah, that yeah, was yeah. it. Yeah, helped him get in. Uh, and Vince, really, we love you, buddy. I, <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on blast. And like I probably should have clarified this. He was more an Embiid skeptic than a hater. Don't send your hate mail to Vince. He's a great dude. He was just on the wrong side of history on this one. That's okay. Thanks to all the Super Chats. Jay. You're sending in a little donation, Vince, of course. We appreciate Vince. And we also had John. We had Jay of the Jungle. Furious. I remember that, that one. That was Jay. Yeah, Jay of the Jungle, Bootzilla, yeah. Biggie. Biggie, Bernard, of course. We got to say it again. We appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Bree, as always, great job producing. We'll be back on Monday where the Sixers host the Chicago Bulls. Who the are mighty, playing the mighty unstoppable really well right now. Your favorite player now, Kobe, Kobe White. He's killing it. He's and I did not get to, by the way, if you haven't hit that subscribe button, please do so. Hit the bell icon. You get notified on every show. And the thumbs up button on the video would be 
awesome and make me feel better. I get that nice endorphin rush on the way and out, guys. That's so. a good point because we, we mentioned the bell icon. You might think, ah, what's the big deal? We just did an emergency pod the other day. Uh, if you were expecting it to be on a schedule, you wouldn't have known about that or at least wouldn't have been able to see it live. If you hit the bell icon, you can be there live for those two. And again, tell a friend, then the other friend, and then the next friend, the family member. Tell Keep Jay-Z. On telling them, tell Jay-Z. <laughs> he can come sit here and talk about He's some basketball. Fan. Yes, he is. Yeah. He can sit here and talk some hoops with us. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Enjoy your Sunday. Have a great rest of your night, and we'll talk to you on Monday, post-game at the Sixers host the Bulls. Good night. <laughs> 